You're listening to Your Financial Compass with Scott Vallon. These shows are designed to provide information to both pre- and post-retirees so you can make well-informed decisions about your financial future. Our financial compass process goes beyond traditional holistic planning. We care as much about you and your lifestyle as we do about your plan. At the Bullman Wealth Group, we want to help you define what matters most and inspire you to go and do it. Your host is Bullman Wealth Group financial advisor, Scott Vallon, who for more than a decade has made a difference in his clients' lives by providing financial leadership. Hello there and welcome to the Your Financial Compass podcast. Uh, My name is Scott Vallon. I'm a financial advisor with the Bowman Wealth Group in Roseville, California. And first off, I'm thankful and grateful that you would tune in and listen to our podcast. Hopefully you've been listening. I think this is our eighth episode since we started this. And each episode we try to dig into a different topic and, and cover the ins and outs of it, maybe the good, not so good, and hopefully you take something that helps your situation or you just find useful or might answer a question that you had. And speaking of questions, before I get into today's topic, um, if anything today prompts you to want to chat with us more or ask some more questions, you can reach out to us at ask at bowmanwealth.com. So that's A-S-K at B-U-L-M-A-N wealth.com. So with all that said, what are we going to tackle today? As I record this towards the end of December um, 2022, I'm calling it pulling the positives from a negative economy. Obviously, this is not news to you folks. It's been a very turbulent year in the economy, Uh, all kinds of things going on. There's a lot of bad news to sift through and hear, and and if you've been tuning in, you've heard plenty of it. So I'm trying to look at it from maybe a different angle slightly and say, hey, what are some of the maybe more positive elements? I mean, obviously, we'll still touch on the negative ones because we can't ignore them, but maybe what are some of the positive ones? So that's really what we're going to do. We're going to break it into three sections. One is just an update on inflation and the monetary policy. Uh, The second is something we talked about a few episodes ago, recession. Are we in a recession yet and what that looks like? And finally, planning now can help you potentially live your life, either if you're in retirement, nearing it, maybe you're a long way away, but starting a game plan now, there's some things that you, you know, can help you kind of um, sail these turbulent waters. So with all of that said, it's been a strange, turbulent economy in 2022. It hasn't been forgiving, to say the least. You know, if we look at it, investing in the post-2008 market boom Things were really smooth sailing for a while. You know, you remove March of 2020 when COVID hit. Other than that, things were doing well. If we look at the stock market, or at least specifically the S&P 500, from 2009 through the end of 2021, over that 13-year span, the S&P was averaging 14.2% a year. Smooth sailing. Obviously, this year has been different. Um, you know, for the longest time, market performance was a guarantee. Then really the issues were, you know, optimizing tax, income, liquidity, those sorts of things. Well, now with how things have changed, it's not just a, a foregone conclusion that you earn money. Chances are you probably didn't earn much this year. Your accounts are probably down. And 2023, no one's really sure yet. It might be flat. It might be down more. Maybe we'll see a rebound. Those are things that come to mind but it changed a little bit on how we look at 
um, our portfolio. So if we just look at it, you know, take a step further in, you know, a big cause of that turbulence has been inflation and monetary policy and what all that means, you know, the Fed's trying to thwart um, this in inflation. And, um, you know, we look at the most updated figures came out recently. Inflation uh, was up 7.1% year over year for the November figures, you know, the slowest increase since January of this year, but it's, it's, it's slowly creeping down. You know, we looked to where inflation was over the summer till now, slowly creeping back. You know, there is some signs for optimism. Even, you know, with that high level of inflation, it's still, even if it's at 7.1 and it's been dropping, the feds, they want to get it down to 2 to 3%. That's their target annual inflation. Uh, so it's still an issue. Inflation's still an issue. Um, you know, you look at, for this year, gas prices, you know, the biggest culprit for inflation, you know, 175 to 18.2%, you know, increases at one point slowly, at least here in California, the numbers have creeped back, you know, it's getting at a more manageable level, but it's been an issue. And, and you know, think of, you know, fuel prices for industrial transportation. Well, look, gosh, those were up over 68% at one point, which is absolutely absolutely uh very high and i and i feel really feel bad for some of the folks you know some of the truckers and the um semis and the diesel where it was just getting out of control but you know this has all trickle down effects um for other goods you know you talk about uh, imported goods and those sorts of things but overall the you know most sectors of the economy they saw inflation at levels below expectations you know not at target levels but like we said it's slowly creeping back so the quasi good news is that inflation is slowly creeping down but then that brings into question okay well, where do we go from here what's next because jerome powell he's been consistently increasing uh, the interest rates by 75 basis points a month which is 0.75 percent this past month was up 0.5 you know 50 basis points so it went down slightly but there were some folks that puckered a bit when he said, hey, this isn't ending anytime soon. I think when we saw the inflation numbers down in November, you know, from the October figures, the, the market bumped in a good way because I think some folks are starting to think that we were going to ease back on the interest rate increases. And while the rates did go down, like we said, from 0.75 for four straight months down to 0.50, 50 basis points, Powell, Jerome Powell, pretty much came out and said, it's going to continue. This isn't ending anytime soon, you know, going into 2023. And that's where we started to see the market kind of creep back down a bit and maybe dull some of that optimism. And you just wonder, you know, some members of the Federal Reserve, they're eager to slow the interest rate hikes, given it puts a big strain on, on business, you know, financial institutions, obviously the stock market, the economy. But at the flip side of it, it's like, well, he, in some regards, does he have to keep doing this, you know, just to keep bringing that inflation number down? Is, does he keep, you know, does he do it for six more months, eight more months? Some people think he's going to do it for every month of 2023. Time will tell. You're always, in most issues, you're going to have folks on both sides of the table. And, you know, the fear is what if he slows it down? It's that fine line. Does he slow it down too soon? And he slows those interest rate hikes, and that could reintroduce inflation at high levels. And in some, 
you know, believe that any ease on rate hikes would come from a place more so of recession fears rather than inflation approaching a stable point. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the second section of this is, you know, our, about recession. And, and like I was saying, you know, some people think that if he did start easing back too soon, it would be more attributed to the recession fears than, you know, to the inflation numbers dropping down. So I know at the beginning I said, hey, we're going to try to paint a positive spin on this. We can only do that so much and still be realistic. You know, inflation's still an issue. There's still market turbulence. There's still a lot of head scratching on where do we go from here? Are we increasing too fast? Are we not increasing enough? How much longer does he keep doing it? And that's the ever-present conversation. Um, it just really leaves us asking, well, what do we do? And what can we do in our portfolio? And what can we do in, in our situation? You know, we know gas was higher. I saw a stat earlier this year that Oh gosh, what was it? Uh, coffee it was twenty. I love coffee. It was twenty seven percent higher. Just all these things are affected by inflation, our spending power, and, and we trust and hope that the Feds can get it handled. They're never going to get it exactly right. We'll give them that much grace, but we hope that you know they they do it at a level that's not going to totally destroy the economy. So you know that's that's enough on we we know that it's been an issue. So that's kind of a close to the first section. Just quick update on inflation, monetary policy. Next point we look at is recession. So if we look at the textbook definition of what is a recession, the conventional benchmark for it is if there's two consecutive quarters of a generally slowing economy, generally that determines or defines a recession. And we look at our economy for 2022, it's sputtered, but it's been you know, resilience. And, and according to that definition I just gave you, the U.S. is not currently in recession. But if we rewind, rewind for a second, the first six months of 2022 technically re- revealed a recession. So, for example, the first quarter, the economy had shrank by 1.6% and improved, but it still fell 0.6% in the second quarter. And, you know, some of that was due to lower inventory spending, housing slowed down, federal and state government spending. But then for Q3, so like I said, the first six months, we look at those figures. By the technical definition, we were in a recession. But then we look at Q3 and things had turned around. You know, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, they reported that at the end of the third quarter of 2022, the economy reversed direction and it actually grew at an annual rate of 2.6%. So you hear it all the time. There's, it's, there's a lot of folks and fear and people saying that we're in a recession. There's people saying that's one, there's one coming. As I mentioned earlier, a couple podcasts ago, we, we d- dug a little bit deeper into it. But I think it's still too early to tell. <laughs> but there are signs to make arguments either way. So, okay, well, in the past... How long have recessions lasted? Let's play devil's advocate and say we are entering one, are going to enter one in 2023, as, as many people think. Well, historically, recessions, they last anywhere from two months to several years. You know, but we look at this situation. They say history doesn't repeat. It does rhyme. 
So history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. So there's some similarities to things we've seen in the past, but I still think this is a very unique situation that we're in. So it's hard to just compare this current you know, potential impending recession to things we've seen before because this is a unique, we can't make a direct comparison to the past because we've got, you know, the lingering effects of the pandemic, especially when it comes to matters of inventory, the supply chain disruptions, which are probably two of the biggest wild cards that we're seeing with this. But then we look, unemployment is still low, but we're getting to hear more and more talk of layoffs, business expense cutting, more tech companies. Uh, we're hearing more and more about tech companies and tech-related companies are going to be laying people off. So even though unemployment has been low, you could look at certain numbers and say, well, that's maybe beginning to change. So we have the lingering effects of the pandemic, you know, the, those job things we're just talking about of you know, potential layoffs. And then finally, you still toss the war in, in Ukraine. It's not we don't maybe hear about it as much, but it's still an ever-present thing. And, you know, at any point, it's like a powder keg. It could escalate at any point. Oil prices could remain elevated. So there's that factor as well. So we look at it, okay, as we talked about in the first segment, how can the federal, the feds help, the Federal Reserve help? And, you know, with all the interest rate increases this year, and, and as we said, continuing hikes expected through you know, part of 2023 at the least, they're not trying to trigger a recession. <laughs> some, some opponents say that they are, but I don't generally think that they're trying to do that. But with doing all this, they want to slow the economy and you know, to, to bring those inflation numbers down. So you know, they, they kind of commingle with each other, the recession fears, um, you know, the inflation issues. And you know, lowering consumer demand, it's, it's that tricky mix. It's intended to reverse higher prices that we face with inflation. You know, if you've tried to buy a car, uh, now is probably not the time um, because of, you know, supplies down. We talked about uh, supply chain issues and prices are exceptionally high. Um, talked to a Toyota dealership manager and he said on average $10,000 more on that. So, you know, there's that factor. So the, the risk of recession with this is always a possible side effect. And, you know, to some, it's becoming clear that the, the recent market and economic activity seen this year is just a start of a longer tale of a recession in 2023. And, and it's, it's just unique. I think this is a unique situation that we face. Is it dire? Do I think it's on the level of, you know, 2008? I don't personally but it's still something that we, we need to be mindful of. And, and that's what we're going to talk about in the last section of, okay, let's just say that we are heading into a recession. What can we do just to get out ahead of it? What are, what are some of the techniques or planning or, or decisions we can begin to make as we head into that? And especially kind of more geared towards people in retirement, nearing retirement, maybe a few years away. What can we maybe start doing now uh, to try to get out of it, out of it, and I want to end this podcast at least, hopefully, on a more positive note, as opposed to all the, you know, the more somber, negative stats we've been looking at. So the last section, I promise, we're going to get a little bit more positive and say, hey, what can we start to do about it? So there's a famous saying, I don't remember who said it, but it goes, the best 
time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. Second best time is now. And you know, as we look ahead to our financial future, we're going to look at it from two angles. One of someone that's right on the cusp of retirement. And then what we call pre-retirees. What are some of the things that we can do now? Maybe we're a few years away from the, from retirement and maybe we're a bit uh, afraid of, oh gosh, yeah, I don't want to retire in a recession or coming right out of it. So we're going to look at both of those angles, but we'll start off with folks that are right on the cusp or maybe you just entered retirement. And you know, in reality, if you want to do retirement right, your approach to money, it gets different once you retire. Or it should be different because, you know, you're at a totally different stage of life. And think of it like this. Before retirement, all the years of working, if you've been saving money in your 401k or an IRA or investments or the bank account, wherever that is, the big question before retirement or the perspective is how can I turn my income into wealth to gather all these assets so when I retire, um, it comes into play. And after retiring, their perspective should be more like, okay, well, now how can I turn my wealth into income? You know, you think of an analogy, or not an analogy, but like a picture in your mind of um, a bell curve or a hill. You know, all our working years, we're entering or putting all this money into accounts, we're going up that hill, then we can almost view retirement. How do we navigate down that hill through retirement, through the that hill being the assets or wealth that we've built? And that's really one of the things that we need to navigate. And we might have a pension. We might, well, we'll more than likely have social security. We get a lot of questions about that. And it's something to spend a lot of time on. When should I start it? Um, You know, and and mapping out when do we, what accounts do we pull from first in retirement to, to navigate that. But one question that I get a lot from people right there in retirement, well, I want to know how much I can get in retirement, how much a month, how much with all my assets from social security to, you know, different investments, how much can I get? And I always turn around and say, well, how much do you need? Because say, you know, if we've built your wealth in a, in a way where you've got a lot of investment accounts and streams of income, well, you might be able to get 12, 13,000 a month which is nice in one regard, but what if you only need five? What if you need 5,000 or 6,000? Well, if you, can, you know, if you can get a lot more, but you only need half of that, well, then you can make the argument, why are you taking more? Because all it's going to do is trigger more taxes. Taxes become a bigger issue in retirement than I think people realize. It's not just a, you know, sometimes you hear the old adage, well, you know, I'll pay less in taxes in retirement. And I feel like that's not always true. And sometimes you get to retirement, you're like, golly, you know, especially here in California, it seems like you know, state tax is high amongst other things. And it's, it's just not a given statement. So I always turn around and say, the question is not how much can I get? The question is how much do you need? And you know, when you're no longer adding to these accounts, say your 401k or IRA, well, we also want to think of longevity of, you know, the average lifespan is a lot longer in retirement now than it used to be. We want to make sure we don't run out of money. So what I'm saying all this to mean is if we're entering a recession 
and maybe you're one of the people that's retiring into one or you just retired this year and you're starting to have some hesitation, just stay, step back and look at, I hate to say, can we tighten our belts, but maybe that's part of it. Or are we taking more than we need to now? And is there a way we can uh, live off what we need or, or maybe just kind of reframe our expectations in retirement while still maintaining the lifestyle, because ultimately that's what we want to do, is maintain our lifestyle, being very careful about not taking more than we need, um, if for only to keep taxes down. So that's one way that we can begin to look at it is, um, you know, as I turn my wealth into income, you know, am I taking more than I need? And another way too, and this is true in any instance, but especially going into what might very well be continued market turbulence is, am I changing the framework of my investments? Say you're 66 and you just retired or you're about to retire. Even in a normal circumstance, you would, in many instances, you would ramp back on the risk level of your investment accounts. You're not going to have, you know, the investment setup of a 20 or someone 20 years younger. You know, generally people ramp back on the risk level once they're entering retirement. So point is, if we're entering into a recession or you're retiring into one, making sure that your investment setup, how you're invested, the risk level, does it match the current environment and match your timeline? Because again, we're not so much in the asset accumulation phase at this point. We're more so in preservation. And again, as we use that Example I used earlier of rolling down the hill, we want to make sure that hill doesn't run out. So taking a careful look at your portfolio. If you have an advisor, check with them. If you need to talk with someone, that's where having a good advisor like us or or other folks that do this, making sure that our risk level matches our life uh, stage of life, but also looking at the current environment of the market. You know, there's not a lot of areas right now to point to say, hey, this is where to be um, because a lot of places are suffering. But there are ways to, as I say, take your foot off the gas a bit. So making sure that we have the right expectations of income in retirement, but also the right setup in our investment accounts. And those are for the people that are right there retiring or have just retired or about to. But what, a, what if you're the person that's going to retire in the next few years, say two to five years? What can you begin to do? And, and I like to tell people this, is start to envision what retirement looks like for you because it looks different for everybody. And there's no wrong answer. You know, one of my clients, when he was retiring, he said, I just want to spend more time on my boat. It doesn't cost him a lot. <laughs> he already paid the big cost of the boat, but now it's just spending his days fishing, relaxing. I have a lot of folks I work with, hey, I'm going to take a new hobby. I'm going to pick up a musical instrument. I'm going to volunteer. I am going to uh, spend more time with my grandkids. I'm going to spend more time at the gym. All these different things that are lifestyle-oriented, and they're more. it's more than just money. It's not just, well, you know, I've got all this money. What do I do? Retirement is about about more than just money. And I can't stress that enough. So what I'm saying is, if you're a few years away from retirement, start to envision what retirement looks like for you. Some people say, I want to travel a lot. And normally that travel's done in the first 10 to 15 years of retirement. Then you kind of bend everywhere and you want to ramp it back. 
we talk to a lot of folks that have been traveling for years and say, I'm done with that. Now I just want to not have to work. I just want to not have to wake up to an alarm and, you know, write memos, what have you. So it's really getting an idea of what you want your retirement to look like. Because sometimes that can really reframe reframe things and add a level of comfort of, you know, the fear of looking into a potential recession straight in the eyes, knowing you're retiring in a few years. If you sit and look at it from an, uh, just a basic humanistic level, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't need 8000 a month. I need five or 6000 and I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. It's just finding out what is going to make you happy in retirement, and it's about more than just money. So it's finding that stuff out. Uh, you assess your budget. So you know, what do you spend your money on? What, what activities will you do? Will you travel? You're not. Will you engage in a new hobby? All these things we could spend the next 10 minutes talking about it, but it's finding out what makes you tick. And as we work with more and more people in this phase of life, generally they, and this is, might not be the case for you, but generally they spend less than they thought they were going to because they get to retirement and just find all this time that they didn't have all those bucket list items that were more than just travel really come to the forefront. And they're like, oh man, I could, I've been wanting to volunteer for so many years. Now I have the time to do it. Or I really want to, you know, go stay with the grandkids for two weeks, all these different things. And it's really liberating to look at it from that angle. Earlier, you can begin to map that out and start to plan for it. It helps you navigate times like these. As we said at the beginning of the podcast, we were smooth sailing in the market for a long time, well over a decade. Times have changed. They will right themselves. The ship will right itself. The waves will turn down a bit, but maybe it won't be next year. So where can we also start to, you know, generally the more prepared we are for these times, it just helps us navigate it more easily. So if there's anything you take away from today, it's that. It's just like if you're a pre-retiree, Map out what your retirement looks like. What are you going to look forward to? Maybe you've known for a long time or maybe you've never really sat down to think about it, but that's really a big thing to consider. And it really helps part the clouds of all this negativity of a recession and the inflation and turbulence in the market is what things are you going to look forward to? What will wake you up in the morning? And it's always a lot more than just what did my portfolio do? So you know, we're ending, ending it on a hopefully a more positive level than we started. There's enough bad news to sift through. Hopefully that's a bit of good news. But like I said earlier, if there's anything you heard today, you want to talk more, you've got questions for us, um, you can reach out at ask at bullmanwealth.com. Be happy to chat. But this is Scott Vallon with the Bullman Wealth Group. I'm thankful that you listened and uh, happy holidays. And uh, looking forward to a hopefully a good 2023. And we're going to end the show, as we always do, with our legal outro. But thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This show's content is for information purposes only. It is not intended to provide any tax or legal advice or provide the basis for any financial decisions, nor is it intended to be a projection of current or future performance or an indication of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Opinions expressed are solely those of Bullman Wealth Group and our editorial staff. The information contained in this material has been derived from sources believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed accuracy and completeness and does not purport to be 
complete analysis of the materials discussed. Any statements of opinions expressed should in no way be construed or interpreted as a solicitation to sell or offer to sell advisory services to any residents of any state other than the states where otherwise legally permitted. Advisory services are offered through Chris Bullman, Inc., DBA, Bullman Wealth Group, and Brookstone Wealth Advisors, Registered Investment Advisors. Insurance products are offered and sold through Chris Bullman, Inc., DBA, BWG Insurance Agency.